You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Okay, we're going to talk today about life in the Spirit. We are in Romans chapter 8, and uh, we're doing a, a series of messages. As I said before, we could be in Romans 8 all, all year, but I chose to do just 20 messages out of Romans, and we're in chapter 8 today. And uh, there may be many things in our lives that we would hope that no one discovers. Skeletons in the closet, they call it. I read this week of a joke that Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes, played on some friends. There's 12 of his friends he sent this letter to. Flee at once. All is discovered. It goes on to say that 24, within 24 hours, the dozen men of noble reputation had taken a trip out of the country. The only lasting solution to a guilty conscience is confession and God's forgiveness. And so we can shout it aloud, Jesus saves. That's what makes the difference. If Jesus didn't save, where would we be? God's desire is not that we would dwell in our sin and our shortcomings. Dwell in our, in our sin and our shortcomings to the point of hopelessness. Because we have great hope in Jesus Christ. He wants us to learn to keep short accounts with him. When we mess up, when we sin, we own up to it, we say, Lord, I've sinned. We ask him to forgive us. Just because we made one mistake don't mean we have to continue to walk in that mistake and, and, and get ourselves to a point where it seems there's no way out and there's no hope. In chapter 7, as we talked about last week, Paul reveals his own life and his own shortcomings, and he writes in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 to 19, 18 to 24, really. He said, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. In verse 24, he said, Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? 
Most of us can relate that when we were living in sin, we didn't care too much about what we did. We did what we did because we wanted to do it. But once we have come in contact with Jesus Christ, once his blood has cleansed us from sin, once we've got a hold of something that is right, that is holy, that is righteous, we're never the same again. Even though we may backslide, even though we may be prodigal sons and daughters, we can never get away from that convicting of the Holy Spirit that says you're on the wrong path, you're doing what is wrong, turn to me, come home. Had Paul ended his letter at that moment, it would have been one of the most depressing and hopeless statements ever written. Because it rings so true in each of our hearts and each of our lives. But Paul, do not stop here. Now he prepares us for the good news. Romans 7, 25, he said, Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's where I found the answer. That's where many of you found the answer in Jesus Christ. So now we pick up the rest of the story here in Romans chapter 8. We, first of all, the first point is, we are set free from indwelling sin. That's good news. God has already set us free from the law of sin and death, verse 1 of 8. Although we still battle sinful leanings and often lose those battles because of the cross, it is defeated. Sin is defeated. Jesus gave his life for sinners. The power of sin was broken once and for all. Now we can look to him and remember the blood that was shed that cleanses from all sin. And we can walk as new creatures in Christ Jesus. We who accept the gift of God's grace stand forgiven, just as if we had never sinned. The Bible says we're justified, just as if we had never sinned. It doesn't mean we never sinned, but in God's sight, because the blood has been applied to our life, we are just as if we had never sinned. God do not hold any count against us. That don't mean that because we've been justified, just as if we had never sinned, that we can continue on to sin. We are to repent, and repenting means turning away from that old life and turning a new life towards God. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Isn't that good news? Some people 
twist this and say, well, there's no condemnation. I, I prayed the sinner's prayer. I served God, and so I know what I'm doing right now is wrong. I know that I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be walking this way, but there's no condemnation now because I'm in Christ Jesus. Are you? Are you really? If you're doing what the Bible says is wrong, if you're doing what the Bible says is, a, is an abomination to God, are you really in Christ Jesus? Justification is an act of God, not man. We can't justify ourselves. It is God who says we are justified. It is God who says we are clean. It is a divine decision of God to acquit the guilty. It is based upon the death of Jesus Christ. He took our place. He died for us. He rose from the grave. He is alive forevermore, making intercession for us. There's no condemnation now for those who belong to Christ. If you are born again, you belong to Christ. You are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to wait until judgment day to find out whether you're going to heaven or not. God has given his verdict. You are justified. No condemnation. There is also a verdict given by God for unbelievers. And you can know that now as well. And this is what it says in John chapter 3, verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Are you a believer? You say, well, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that he, he was born of the Virgin Mary. I believe that he rose again. I believe all these things. But are you believing in Jesus? Have you placed your faith and your trust in what God has done for you, for you personally? Because you see, it's a personal walk. Your mom and your dad cannot live that life for you. Your husband or your wife cannot live that life for you. Your brother or your sister cannot live that life for you. Your children cannot live that life for you. You stand alone before God and you will be judged by what you have done in the last day. Not what your parents have done and not what your children have done. Our weak, sinful nature prevented us from keeping the law of Moses. We say we live by the Ten Commandments. Are you kidding? Nobody can live by the Ten Commandments. God knew that. That's why Jesus had to die. Because we couldn't be re re religious or righteous without the shedding of blood. 
Jesus saves. So what the law could not do, he could not save us. God did what the law could not do in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, chapter 8 rather, verse 3 and 4. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his only Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in, in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You notice now that Paul has mentioned something a couple of times already in this chapter. Walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. There is a difference. There is a big, big difference. When you're walking in the flesh, that's not talking about your skin, okay? It's talking about walking in a carnal, a, a, a natural reasonable understanding. Walking in the Spirit is being led by God, the Holy Spirit, and your spirit man, communicating with, with God's Spirit. And a person who is constantly in the Word, constantly praying, Jesus said, pray without ceasing. That don't mean that you've got to be always on your knees. It doesn't mean that you've got to always have your eyes closed. It doesn't mean that you have always got to be walking around somewhere with your eyes closed, stumbling over things and trying to pray. No. You can have an attitude of prayer no matter where you're at. Do you know Probably I shouldn't say this because someone's bound to take it wrong. But do you know that when your heart is in tune with the Lord, even your thoughts can be prayers. You're communicating with God spirit to spirit. And when you're thinking something, we've had it happen many times. You know, like we didn't always have it as luxurious as we have it right now, Effie and I, in ministry. I basically paid to preach for the first year that I was in, that I was in, uh, in the ministry. We got small salaries, and there, you know, there were times when we didn't have something, and Effie would, you know, she would just think, man, I, I, I wish I had a, a head of lettuce today, or... I wish I had something, you know, and, or a dozen eggs or whatever. <laughs> and we'd go to church on Sunday morning, and along comes one person and says, oh, by the way, I've got, I've got uh, some cabbage and lettuce and some vegetables for you. It's in the, my card. Pick it up before you leave. Or someone comes along and says, I've just got two dozen eggs here that I want to give you. And then there's always been other things like monetary gifts and things like that. God has always, always looked after us. And sometimes it hasn't been down and begging and saying, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, you got to do this, you got to do this. 
But it was just in the quietness of the time, just thinking, oh man, I wish I, I could have this or whatever. And here it comes. I'm going to tell you, walking in the Spirit is a great way to be. But you can get out of the Spirit so fast. Stop reading your Bible. Stop praying. Stop fellowshipping with the saints. And before you know it, you will be so carnal that you couldn't hear God if he shouted. Now I'm off track again now. I always do that. Jesus came in a body just like ours, but he didn't sin. He proved by his sinless life that we can do the same. Because you see right now, we're not living by the law. We're not living by working at our salvation. We are to work out our salvation. But it's Jesus Christ living in us. It's his righteousness that has been applied to me. Not my righteousness. We, we have, like I said last week, we have been influenced. Most of us have been brought up in, 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 uh, in religious situations where when we made a mistake, we felt defeated because there's been a lot of the law included into our life practices. Most of our background, most of our preaching and teaching came from the Old Testament. Now, I love the Old Testament. I, I use... The Old Testament lots. There's a lot in the Old Testament that we can, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can just find out what God said and what God did and say, okay, we know to stay away from, stay away from this. But I remember in my early years of trying to follow Christ, I would be doing so well and feeling that, man, I was really accomplishing something. And then before you knew it, I did something wrong and I gave up. Because that's what I was taught. Either you're a Christian or you're not. And when I did something on Christian, well, I'm backslidden. And I was always working and always working and always failing. But then, I found out that there was a little verse in the Bible that says, if we sin, he's talking to Christians, and he said, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And then there was another verse in John as well, 1 John, and it says, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. When I got a hold of that, when that got down into my spirit, when I realized 
that I didn't have to give up on God just because I made a mistake, just as I didn't have to give up on my mom and dad just because I made a mistake. I could go to Father God and I could say, I'm sorry. I know I sinned. I know I did wrong. But Lord, I just want to be in your fold. I want to be in your family. I want to be close to you. Forgive me. I've learned to apply that in my life every day. Folks, maybe you're working too hard at being a Christian. Maybe you need to just say, Lord, I believe that your blood is all-powerful and all-sufficient to cleanse me from every sin. And instead of ignoring your sin, Say, Lord, forgive me. The Bible goes, on, goes to great lengths to declare that Jesus did not sin. He, he, he had, had he sinned, he could not have qualified to be a sacrifice for sin. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for sin so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. First Peter 2.22, he never sinned, nor even deceived, ever deceived anyone. This is new, new uh, living translation I'm doing here right now. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4.15, this high priest of ours, understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Some people got it hard to believe that. Oh, they find it so hard. Jesus was tested like I was. Jesus was tempted like I was. You got to realize that temptation is not sin. Temptation can lead you to sin if you dwell on it and if you entertain it long enough. You'll be thinking about it. You'll, you'll try to act it out. New Living Translation, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26 says, He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. And 1 John 3 and 5 says, And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and there is no sin in him. God's requirement was that only a sinless man could qualify to be a once and for all sacrifice for sin. And Jesus is that once and for all sacrifice. Under the Old Testament law, God required a spotless, healthy lamb without deformity. And this lamb is symbolized in Jesus who would be the ultimate sacrifice. The power of the, and the authority of the Holy Spirit sets us free from the power of sin that, that sin once had over us. 
Sin don't hold that power over me anymore. I am set free. I'm free to do whatever I like. But I can make choices. I can make some bad choices and get myself in some real trouble. We've had enough illustrations from men of God who are very effective in ministry who fell. We don't look at anyone and say, well, look at him. He must never have been saved or, or anything like that. But for the grace of God, that would be me, that would be you. Amen? So we must stop being led by our sinful nature and be led by the Spirit. That's a choice that we make. It's a choice that's always with us. We ask Jesus Christ into our heart. We, we, we confess to him that we're sinners and we even promise, Lord, I'll never do anything like that again. And from then on, it's choices. Choice. You choose to live for him every day. You can choose at any moment of any day to say, I'm not going to walk with Jesus anymore. God won't hold you back. There are two ways to live, my second point. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 11. Well, verse, verse, verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What are you setting your mind on today? What has top priority in your mind, in your life? You can answer that yourself. Walking, living in the flesh and setting your mind on the flesh is actively and deliberately sinning. You set yourself up for failure. When you say, I'm not going to walk in the spirit, I'm going to walk in the flesh. I'm going to live according to my own dictates, the dictates of my heart, my own imaginations. Flesh here, as I said, is not referring to your skin and bones. It's your sinful nature, your sinful desires. We constantly got to be saying, no, no, I'm not going to go there, no. Another word used in the scriptures to describe uh, walking in the, in the flesh is carnal. And Paul says in verse 6 of Romans 8, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I think that's very simple. 
I don't think that needs too much explanation, does it? When you're in the flesh, when you're living in a carnal state, you cannot please God in that state. But when you're in the spirit, that's when God is pleased. How do we live our lives depends on where we set our mind. If we will fill our mind with ungodly values around us, it will lead to flesh. So how do I fill my mind with ungodly values? TV. Once you get past the news, there's not too much more left, is there? And even then, you probably got to turn, turn the, the mute the, uh, the advertisements. Internet. Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? You see, there's everything that we have, basically everything, can be used for good. Can be used for good purposes. I had, I had thousands of dollars of books in my library when I started ministry. And since the internet came along and I know how to, to find the stuff that I need, I, I gave all my books away. Why would I have to get something and take hours trying to find it in a book and then have to type it out? When I can find a quote that I want or the, or the passage that I want and just cut and paste. It's technology. But along with this technology, there's a whole bunch of rot that's there, that if you fill your mind with it, you can be in a state that only the grace of God could ever, ever get you out of. You would be surprised at the counseling that I have to do in the past 30 years with people that's got themselves in bondage over that kind of stuff. If we fill our minds with ungodly values around us, it'll lead, we will lean to the flesh. Living according to the flesh is not about keeping up appearances. And a lot of times we do that, don't we? You know, we do the things that people, that we assume that people like to know that I'm doing. But the old saying, I don't know if you hear it anymore, but long ago there was a saying that people used to use, I don't drink and I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. <laughs> Sounds good, but it's just a phrase. And there's more to being a Christian 
than appearing to be one is good. If you're living the Christian life, it is good to be a good example, to be a good ambassador of Jesus Christ, to keep yourself unspotted from the world. But there's a difference in doing everything that everyone thinks you should be doing and doing it because you're in love with Jesus and that he's a part of your life and you don't want to do anything that would bring harm to him or the gospel. Paul describes living according to the flesh this way. Galatians 5, 19 and 21. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not enter the kingdom of God. Again, that don't need any explanation. You just read it just as it's written and say, Lord, if I'm involved in anything of that, forgive me. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. The best way to live is according to the Spirit. Verse 6, he said, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I choose life and peace rather than death. How about you? I'm going to skip some because I'm, my time is up right now. If Christ is in you, my third point. We often major on no condemnation and, and less on being, on being in Christ and Christ in us. In fact, Paul stressed the importance of this in verses 9 to 11. In verse 9 he said, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Now, this is where we, you under, you, I want you to understand this. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you invite the Holy Spirit to indwell you. And Paul is saying, if, you, if, if the Holy Spirit is not indwelling you, then you are none of Christ. You are not, don't belong to him. Because you have not accepted him into your heart. But if you have, then you are not, in, not being carnal. Now there's a danger here of twisting what Paul is teaching to promote a false sense of security. Because a lot of people say, well, I prayed the sinner's prayer. So I'm in Christ. What have you done after what have you done after 
you have accepted Christ, after you have prayed the sinner's prayer? Have you been feeding on the word? The word of God, you see, is food for your soul. And if you're not feeding on the word, you are spiritually malnutrition. You're only a shadow of what you could be. And so if you're not into the word, I would encourage you, get into the word. Start again. Maybe you started and tried. Start again. Do a little bit a day. You know, I've had some health problems and um, some things that sometimes hinders me from being able to exercise. And uh, once you get out of exercising, then when, when, when everything is okay again, you're able to exercise, but it's been so long since you did. Oh, I got to do it. I got to do it, but you don't do it. And so finally, once I get around to it again, I got to start right, right from the beginning. I got those little elastic bands, you know, that stretch out. <laughs> and I get on my treadmill, instead of going five miles an hour, 2.5. Like that guy on the, on the, on the carbonet show, you know? But that's what happens, and when you're older, you'll understand what I'm saying, too. But, you know, you can't just jump on and, and go all out. You won't be able to get on there for another four or five months. But that's the way it is with the Word. The longer you stay away from it, the harder it takes you to get back to it. And the more you're out of the word, the more you're into carnal things, the more you're allowing the, the ways of the world and the, and the philosophies of the world to crowd your mind until you are speaking things that you're almost like you're standing back and watching yourself talking because that's not you, that's not where you're at. But you're just being a yes man for all of the liberal thinking people. You need to come back and walk in the power and the majesty of Jesus Christ. To say I've prayed a sinner's prayer so now I can deliberately sin because there's no condemnation from now on, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. God never meant you to even think that. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We're no longer in the flesh because of Adam. We are now in the Spirit. And the Spirit is in us because of Jesus Christ. But with Christ in us, we don't stay down. Now, when I mess up, I'm quick to say, Lord, forgive me. I don't know how it works. I really don't. I mean, Jesus 
They say, Master, the law says that if my brother sin against me seven times and he comes back to me and he says, I've sinned, I must forgive him. What do you say, Master? And he said, I would say, not seven times seven, 49, but 70 times seven. As many times as they come back to you and say, I'm sorry, don't get it in your mind. Well, he's not, he's not serious. I mean, he don't really mean it. He's asked me to forgive him now this seventh time. So I won't forgive him. Jesus said, no, you forgive him. And if he comes back 70 times, 70, you still forgive him. And so if the master said that, I don't have any problem with coming back to him over and over and over again and say, Lord, what I said or what I did, that's not my heart. That's not what I wanted to do. Lord, would you forgive me? And he's there with open arms. and says, son, I forgive you. And that's what he's saying to you and me every day of our lives. Like the prodigal father of old, he's looking out and he's saying, son, daughter, welcome home. I forgive you. I'm not going to throw it in your face. He's never going to throw it in your face. Well, you did it again. I knew you would. But he's saying, I love you. And I want you to be my child. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today that you love us so much that you made a way when we could not make it in our own self-righteousness by being good and by doing good, you made a way where Jesus Christ could live his righteousness in us. And now, we are a part of the family of God. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and caring so much. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you need prayer for anything, Jesus is here. If you want to make things right with God, Jesus is here. You never... Never ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. And you sense something stirring within your spirit today. Come and talk to me. That's the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you onto himself. You have an open invitation.
to accept Jesus Christ into your life. Heavenly Father, just bless this congregation. Bless each one. Give us a great day, Lord, as we gather around our dinner table or lunch table. Lord, as we go out on the lake or go to the beach, take in the celebrations, Lord, of Heritage Day, the fireworks tonight, all of these things. Lord, we thank you that we could take a couple of hours today just to come into your house and just say, Lord, we, we thank you for all the blessings we have in this wonderful land of Canada. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You want prayer, you come. We will pray. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.